Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Joining us now from the Winnipeg Police Service, Inspector Max Waddell. Inspector, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Al. Thanks for making time for us today. I really, really appreciate it. Before the news at 1.30, I played a bit of... uh, uh, of Marion Willis from Streetlink. She was on our morning show this morning on the start with McLean, McGarry, and McNabb uh, talking about meth. It appears the problem, in her mind anyhow, is even worse than before. Uh, you give us your assessment. Is it, is it as bad as you've ever seen it out there? Well, most certainly our community is, is facing many challenges with uh, addictions and, and now most recently uh, overdoses. And and we continue to see the illicit drug trade uh, evolve. And, you know, most recently uh, in the last two to three years, it was a, a steady flow of methamphetamine. And when that actually dried up a bit uh, due to the precursors not being uh, able to reach its destination in Mexico to be manufactured and, and get the meth, uh, you know, up, up to the north and into Canada here, people have now turned more to opioids. And the danger with opioids, as we're all aware, is is when you're, introducing uh, fentanyl to other drugs like heroin, uh, etc., it can be fatal, and and that's really what we're dealing with these days. Talk about these cocktails, because she mentioned one, I jotted it down as I was listening back to that audio, uh, beige pebble. I mean, there's many of these mixes, right? uh, Is this a new development, or have we always seen this? No, most most recently we've seen more uh, additives put in traditional uh, depressant drugs such as, as heroin and or even fentanyl. And, you know, one that I think, you know, we broadcast on the news, uh, at least the dangers about it, was called Purple Down. Now, Purple Down uh, gets it named from the mixture of, of heroin and fentanyl, and it has a purple tinge to it. They color it to kind of denote it that it's their product. But it's that fentanyl component, again, that uh, that can be fatal. But what, what Marion is referring to uh, with the, the beige pebble um, it, it's more of a brown tinge. Now, I can say the Winnipeg Police Service has not seized uh, that drug as of yet, and, and I think it was noted that there's cannabinoids, uh, you know, which is, is found in marijuana, is also a concentration found in this drug. Uh, I can confirm that there is no Health Canada testing that has come back positive uh, with that, uh, at least yet anyways. Right. Um, let's talk, you talked about the production there. Let's talk about this bust in Transcona, a meth lab. I mean, this is... What was shut down by uh, your people in Transcona is what we see in the movies, right? I mean, this is uh, an incredibly dangerous meth lab situation. It is, and as Constable Carver alluded to uh, earlier, uh, you know, it's it's the chemicals that they're using, and when they're heated, they can become explosive. And as I've said many times, uh, most of these individuals that are manufacturing these illicit drugs they don't come from backgrounds that would give them the uh, the knowledge and, and the real know-how. They're just individuals that are trying to to profit on individuals who are suffering with addictions. And it's really that combination of, of all of those uh, things that, that cause and, and concern for us and, and can be so dangerous, not only to the individuals cooking it, but to the neighbors and to the public at large. Is there a lot of that going on out there in, in your mind? I mean, you just shut this one lab down, but is there a lot of that going, or is, or is this stuff coming from elsewhere usually? Yeah, I would say that is most certainly a rarity. Uh, I can't even recall the last time that we had uh, anything of this significance. 
But the challenge is, is getting some of the precursors uh, that you need to manufacture meth, and, and that's really the challenge. If, if that was more readily available, uh, you know, the ephedrines and pseudoephedrines, then we would, I think, find more locally. But the majority is coming internationally uh, into Canada. Has COVID-19 taken the spotlight off this problem to some degree? Marion Willis at StreetLinks suggested that, that that's the case. And, and listen, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Obviously, we need to focus on that. But have we lost sight of this, or are you confident that maybe we have, but you haven't? I would have to agree uh, with Marion uh, on that for sure, that you know, COVID has touched so many people. And not that addictions and or illicit drugs are not, but it has definitely taken the, the limelight. And, you know, that's how we got into this situation with fentanyl and, and methamphetamine is that it always seems we have a, we're just focusing on one topic rather than the broader spectrum. And it's, it's going to take uh, that broader evaluation of all of our agencies working together if we're ever going to get a handle on this. And it really does seem to be getting worse. We got numbers this morning from Winnipeg Fire Paramedic. And last May, um, the use of uh, the uh, uh, naloxone, the use of the drug to uh, if somebody has overdosed, last May, 75 uses in the month of May. This May, 145. Um, so basically double. In June last year, 87. June this year, 180. July last year, uh, 66. July this year, 231. And so far... 66 in just the first 10 days of August, uh, that's more than the entire month of August last year. It, it really does seem like this, and that's just instances where this was used to try and save people. It really does seem like this is drastically worse. It, yeah, you, you could definitely argue uh, that, that that is the situation. Now, what the real challenge is, and, and we talked about this earlier, is that the the toxicity of these drugs, such as Purple Down, when they're injecting fentanyl into it, it's taking many more uh, hits of naloxone to counterbalance that and, and make the, the effects of the opioid overdose go away. So the more toxic the illicit drug is, the more naloxone you need. And that's really what you're seeing uh, in those numbers is that fire paramedic services having to administer many more doses of naloxone to save uh, a person's life and reverse the effects of those illicit drugs. Final question, Inspector. What are we going to do about this? What I know you, I have every, I really truly believe uh, that your officers and investigators are working at this as hard as they can. And, and I've said this many times, I appreciate your efforts. Um, but is it enough? And what can we do to try and get this under control? Well, it's going to take the entire community, Hal, if we're ever going to overcome uh, this uh, addictions and, and mental health and all these challenges that, that people are, are going through. And, you know, I, I've said this many times that we all know someone who's suffering, whether it be a relative, a friend, a neighbor, and we have to all step up and, and, and mentor these individuals because it's the supply and demand cycle. And as long as these people have that demand for these illicit drugs, the drug dealers are going to keep supplying it because it's about making profit. And, and it's getting more government involved, but it, it is a challenge. And, the flow of illicit drugs are never going to stop. We know that. Uh, the war of drugs started in, in 1971, and it has not stopped yet. But it's just going to take our entire community if we're going to overcome this barrier. Yeah, and treatment is a big part of this conversation, too, and we're going to get into that more. But I wanted to talk to you about the enforcement side of it. Inspector Waddell, thank you very much for your time.
Thank you. I'll take care. As you know, before I came to CGOB, I was uh, one of the morning people over at uh, Power 97, and one of my program directors was Matt Kundal, and Mr. Kundal joins us now. Matt, good afternoon. How it's good to talk to you again. Well, it's great to talk to you on the radio. Um, so you got smart. You got out of this business. You've got your own media company now, Sound Off Media, and you host a podcast called the Sound Off Podcast, and it focuses in on media news right across the country. You talk to great, it's a great listen if you want to listen to uh, media news uh, from a guy who really knows the business. And I wanted to have you on today about this new report from uh, the Canadian Association of Broadcasters that says COVID-19, this pandemic, could have a real serious impact on radio and TV stations. They're saying 40 local TV outlets could be gone and as many as 200 radio stations might have to shut down over the next few years because obviously ad revenue is down. I think it's over a billion is the number they're using uh, by the end of 2022, your initial reaction to that, I, I read it, and it's sad and shocking, but not really surprising, is it? No, it's not. And, and if you wind it back about five years, radio has been losing, you know, just a little bit every year. You know, 1.5%, then it's about 3.5%, then 2%, and then 4%, and then, you know, the next year after that, it's about 1.5% again. But it, it's consecutively taking in a little bit less ad revenue every year. And that's because people find other ways to, to spend their ad dollars. They'll spend it maybe on podcast or they'll spend it right. on digital or something like that. But there's you know, a few other options out there. So there is a little bit of a, of a slow trickle that's going on in, in Canadian radio. It's not the same in Europe. It's actually there are a number of countries that are doing quite well. But then mm-hmm. you add in the pandemic and then, of course, then, you know, so the, the bottom falls out. And I think the best way we can look at the pandemic is it's really advanced everything five years. All of a sudden, everybody knows how to do Zoom and everybody knows how to maybe do a, a broadcast at home if you're in the radio business or you, you can open up a home office and it's not going to be too difficult. So what the pandemic has done is really accelerated um, you know, you know, the, you know, the fall of radio a bit, but at the same time, we have to remember, you know, a lot of businesses shut down. There, there's nothing to advertise. You know, some people just said, I need to take a break. We'll find out what my business is doing and, you know, we'll get back to you. We're going to be talking today. Uh, the Canadian Chamber of Commerce is out with a, a program called Our Restaurants, and they're saying that we could lose, possibly, depending on how things go, we could lose two-thirds of restaurants across the country, and uh, that uh, is part of the ad revenue that we talk about for radio and TV. So, Will, what happens with radio and TV depend in large part on what happens with restaurants and other businesses. If they go away, then the impact on radio and TV might be more. Yeah, it, it could very well be more, and, and especially, you know, on the television side, you know, with no sports, I mean, those are big ad drivers for, you know, for both radio and television. You know, sports has, has, been, has been rather quiet. There was, you know, no CFL, for instance, and so, you know, that, you, you know there's all these other sort of streams of media that, that go on, um, you know, hockey. Uh, it's at weird times. We don't really know when it, you know, when it's going to happen. I know it's happening right now, but you know, for for next year, mm-hmm. it's all been rather yeah. delayed. Um, so you know, it, it's more than just you know, it is restaurants, but it's also sports, and it, and it's also a whole bunch of other things that go on. And, and I think you know, a lot of people have to rethink about how we do things, and including including radio. And you know, I've got a lot of data here that shows how people have sort of changed their lives through the pandemic. And so, for instance, we see people getting out of bed and starting their day on average 75 minutes later. 
And so people think, well, the morning show, that's, you know, my morning radio show. But at the same time, people are listening to other parts, uh, other day parts, uh, you know, whether it's middays or afternoon drive, they're listening just a little bit longer to the radio. So there are some benefits or it's benefits to other, you know, times of the day for radio. And so what radio really needs to do is sort of look at the way it does business and really hit reset. And and really, it's it's a big rethink for the entire industry. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I mean, radio and TV uh, and all uh, forms of media are, are to some degree changing how they do business. Let's just talk about podcasts for a second. You're, you're a podcast guy. You've got your own media company. You went out on your own and you're, you're very successful with it. You've got several podcasts and yours, but you, you help other people with podcasts. Um, I mean, even radio now is, is saying, Hey, we better get into the podcast game or we better get into this because they're realizing diversify or die. Yeah, radio is more than just uh, podcasting. Now, and I'll, I'll use your company as, as an example, uh, Hal. Uh, you know, with a division now called Curious Cast and a, a number of podcasts that uh, you know that that you guys have available. Um, you know, you're more than just radio. I mean, when you and I were working together. I think, you know, I used to, we'd have conversations in the office and say, hey, what do you guys think about putting your stuff up on podcasts? And it was yeah. like 2008, and we might have had a, you know, a large discussion about what it really means. Well, there's no more of those discussions anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things are really the real deal. I know you and I had discussions about, you know, video usage. And, you know, yep. video usage since the pandemic started has just skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Um, there are services out there that can get people, you know, YouTubing and doing things and, and streaming. And I don't need to tell everybody what Zoom is. I mean, you know, six months ago, nobody really knew what Zoom was. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's almost become a household name. Yeah. Hey, um, so for this report from the Canadian Association of Broadcasters says, and they're calling on the feds, the CRTC, to, you know, take some swift action to help radio and TV. But they say 40 TV stations, 200 radio stations, depending on how things play out, uh, could be gone. Um, Course is a big company. We're going to be talking to somebody from Evanoff later. They're a big company. Are, are, do you think radio and TV, the big companies, are going to be affected, or is it more the small little mom-and-pop independent uh, broadcasters in smaller communities? It's, it's the mom-and-pop stuff that's really going to be affected. Um, you know, the, the bigger companies, I mean, yes, they are suffering, but I think they can withstand it just a little bit more. But I think this is a giant rethink for, the, for all of Canada. We have not had a radio review about the regulations in this country and how radio is presented since 1997 or 98. And that was before, I think, really, you know, you know the Internet truly exploded and before the dot-com era. So they're incredibly outdated regulations. Um, there's just a whole bunch of other stuff that, that's gone on over the years that we just haven't addressed, uh, you know, about the way we distribute stuff. And, and here's something really for everybody to think about is – what if the internet had existed all along and then all of a sudden today, look, we can put up transmitters and we can start to broadcast to people in cars and we don't have to go through the phones in order to deliver the product. How would we deliver this? And I think that's a good starting point for radio and its big rethink. Very interesting. Matt, always great chatting with you and uh, cool to do it on the air here on CGOB. Thanks a lot. Loved it. Thanks, Al. It is National Dog Day. It's Dog Day, so I dedicate today's show to my uh, my puppy Hershey. Uh, and by the way, um, I mentioned this at the start of the show. 
Uh, there's a young lady by the name of Tiffany Tilly, and her uh, website is tiffanytillyart.com. And her and, and Daryl, Daryl's a listener, and he reached out to me. And they brought over last night a beautiful portrait of my dog, Hershey, which is it's just amazing what she can do. So check that out on my social media feeds. And uh, I'll give that another plug later on. Or if you want the info, uh, text me at 204-780-6868 or hal at cjob.com. But it's uh, brittanytillyart.com. That's her website. And uh, joining us now to uh, focus in on one other dog besides my Hershey is Lindsay Gillanders, the media coordinator of the Manitoba Underdogs Rescue. Lindsay, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I, I was reading the story of Stark, Stark the puppy. Tell us about Stark, and you're hoping people can help out. Tell us about it. Yeah, so Stark is a five-month-old uh, lab mix who was surrendered into the rescue's care, suffering from an extreme case of mange. So it's hard being on the radio because you can't really see Stark, but if anybody visits our social media pages, Manitoba Underdogs Rescue, they can see how bad a shape he's in. Um, The mange has eaten away at his fur, eaten away at his skin, and he's just in absolute horrible, horrible pain. So we're working as hard as we can to to get him some help. And you know what? Um, And not just Stark, but when dogs are neglected like that or they have an issue like that, it's just heartbreaking to see them because they're in pain, but they're just full of love. And Stark is. I mean, he's in such rough condition to look at him. You would think that he would just be miserable and grumpy. I mean, I would be if I was in that condition. But he's such a, a loving pup. Um, and he just wants to be loved and wants to be given uh, kindness by his people. And, and we're really hoping that we can find him a, a home in the future that does just that. And again, it's Manitoba Underdogs Rescue. Find them on social media and you'll see Stark. And you can, by the way, you can help out with a donation by going to manitobaunderdogsrescue.org slash donate. Um, and uh, the money will be used to make sure that, that Stark uh, gets healthy again, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we've got 12 other medical cases right now as well, ranging from amputations from dogs that were struck by cars and all kinds of crazy stuff. So our bills are really piling up. So any support that people can give us right now to help Stark and help all of the other dogs in our care, we would be more than appreciative. And I'm sure that the dogs would be too. I, I imagine the stories around the dogs that end up at Manitoba Underdogs Rescue are really varied. Eh? I'm, I'm sure dogs end up there under different situations and circumstances. Yeah, we do work with a lot of rural and remote communities. So we do get a lot of car accidents and, you know, just strays that have been mistreated and um, had kind of a, a bad lot in life. But we, you know, we also have owner surrenders, dogs that were loved and for whatever reason they can't stay with their families. Um, so there are some, you know, some not so sad stories, um, kind of happy stories that come out of it. But we do, we see a lot of really tragic tragic cases as well have you seen many people abandon their dogs uh their pets because of the pandemic uh, people hitting you know tough financial times have you seen much of that or or what has the what impact has COVID-19 had on on what you guys do we've actually seen the opposite um that was definitely something that we were concerned about but our adoptions are through the roof I mean for the first couple months of this thing we kind of shut down operations because we weren't sure how we would do adoptions out when we can't visit people's homes and make sure that there's appropriate um, environments for our dogs. But once that was lifted, we we couldn't keep puppies around. Um, our adoptions are just hugely, hugely high right now. And it's, it's as soon as the dog comes on our website, um, we've got applications for it. So hopefully it's people that are you know realizing that one day life will go back to normal and they'll still have room in their lives for that pet. But it's 
it's been a really nice trend for us to see so many of our of our furry friends find their forever homes. Yeah. Hey, Lindsay, thanks for doing this, and, and I really hope that uh, Stark does well, and I'll, I'll again remind people how they can uh, help out and give, but thanks for jumping on here for a few minutes on National Dog Day. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, too. Thank you very much for having us on. Lindy Gillanders, Media Coordinator, Manitoba Underdogs Rescue. And a couple of interesting uh, stats here. Oh, by the way, yes, how you can give. Let me remind you. Uh, you can give by going to manitobaunderdogsrescue.org slash donate. And if you want to see a picture of Stark, he's a cutie. Uh, you can check out their social media feeds. It's Manitoba Underdogs Rescue. Uh, I was on with the start this morning, Macklin, Gary, and McNabb. I'm usually on with them every Wednesday after the 8.30 news, and I told them that it was dog day. And I mentioned that dog's evolution into man's best friend or person's best friend uh, goes back, and I was surprised at this, goes back at least, at least 14,000 years, 14,000 years when uh, dogs split from wolves to become more lovable domesticated animals. I thought that was really interesting i i mean i guess i knew that but i didn't think it went back that far some other interesting stuff here on dog day uh the most popular dog names for 2020 luna the number one dog name followed by bella charlie cooper lucy daisy max rosie teddy and molly and the most popular dog breeds the most popular breed the mutt heinz 57 the mixed breed followed by the Labrador Retriever, the Chihuahua, the German Shepherd, Golden Retriever, Yorkshire Terrier, the Shih Tzu, the Dash Hound, the Golden Doodle, and the Boxer. I think Mayor Bowman has a Golden Doodle. I'm not sure. Um, I was on his Twitter feed today, and he has a picture of <laughs> has a picture of his dog for Dog's Day sitting behind the mayor's desk, and I, it looks to me like a Golden Doodle, maybe. I'm not sure, but it's nice to see that uh, Mayor Bowman is uh, celebrating uh, dog day and another interesting little dog story here um, how is the pandemic affecting our dogs right well they are suffering through this as well and some of them many of them apparently are suffering with depression experts say dogs are feeling the emotional impact of the coronavirus and it may be changing the way they act dogs are used to having alone time away from their humans they're used to that, they like that, and now we're around too much, and we're messing with them. And uh, an expert, uh, a doctor, a vet, says that the best way to try and combat that is for owners to keep a consistent schedule for their pets, including their quiet time. Make sure the animals or your dogs have that chance to have some alone time. So there you go. Happy Dog Day. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.